Good morning, y'all. It is a pleasure to be back with you, sharing with uh, the Bible class, just uh, our, our adventures in getting here this morning. We stayed out with Mason. We had a really good time. And again, thank you, Mason, for, for hosting us last night. But on the way here to, to church, we ran into the train. Um, and not ran into the train, but we were blocked by the train and the train tracks, and so we weren't sure if we were going to make it, but Cody came as our knight in shining armor, and we made it on time, so thank you to him as well. It is good to be back with y'all. It is a pleasure to, to worship God uh, in this building with these people, and it is a blessing to see your smiling faces. Just a quick update. Uh, things are going well at Sunset in Lubbock for Kaylee and I. Um, classes are continuing on a schedule, but we have been very blessed by this congregation and our partnership with you. And in this season of Thanksgiving, I wanted to begin by saying, of course, thank you. Thank you for partnering with us and our mission. And as God has put it on uh, our lives to, to go and to study and then to go and to share the good news, we thank you for being a part of that for being um, our family in that mission. So I just wanted to, to begin with those, those thoughts. Consider with me, though, for a moment, as we start talking about Thanksgiving as it's right around the corner in the season of being thankful, we Christians have something more than anyone else have something to be thankful for. So as we jump into our text, consider with me for a moment just a simple seed. And you can choose any seed that you want. It could be an apple seed. It could be an orange seed. It could be an avocado seed, if that's what you like. But picture that seed. It's in the palm of your hand. And as it's just sitting there, nothing's going to happen. It's just sitting in the palm of your hand. You're watching it. It's like watching paint dry or water boil. It just sits there. No transformation occurs within this seed. But then you take that seed and you place it in the ground. You water it and you nurture it and you take care of it. And you wait for life to sprout. And when the seed is ready, it will become something new. Whatever plant you chose, apple, avocado. But until then, it waits in the, inside the soil until the proper time. Today, we're going to be looking at the dead in Christ and how they are asleep until the proper time. Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians, if you would. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we'll be looking at verses 15 through 18. Oh, sorry, 13 through 18. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. <clears throat> In Scripture, we see that Jesus is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. He was the first to rise again from the dead. We know that he, he died, he was buried, and on the third day he rose again from the grave, and he was the first to do so. But in the same way, those who are dead in Christ will also rise from the grave to meet our Savior in the sky. I want us to consider throughout this study those who have passed on, those in the faith who have passed on. Do we rejoice in their position or mourn as if they are lost forever. Leading up to the text here in 1 Thessalonians, we see Paul getting an encouraging report from the Thessalonian church that they are abounding in love. The love that they have for each other, the love they have for one another, 
They are seeking after each other in, in Christian uh, in Christian love and unity, and they are praising God. And Paul is encouraged by their report. But one thing that we see is that there are wolves amongst them. There are false teachers. There are people who are giving lies that are discouraging the church, saying that those who have died have missed the coming of, of Christ, that they've passed on and there's nothing that will happen for them, that they are dead and that's simply it. That's the end of their story. And so the church is being discouraged by these reports, and some are even trying to say that Paul is the one saying this to them. But in his letter to them, he is, he is trying to shift those perspectives. He is trying to, to teach them what is truth. We'll go ahead and read the text, but I want us to look, we'll be looking for three perspectives on those who have passed away. Death is one perspective. Hope and life. So that we will not be uninformed, but encourage each other in the hope that we have in Jesus. So read with me the full text. Verses 13 through 18 of chapter 4, 1 Thessalonians. and says, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in Him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord Himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. I like to have the full text in front of us before we dive into our study. But then jumping back to verse 13, let's read that one more time. So we have the full picture. Now let's start to take it apart verse by verse. What is Paul telling the church in Thessalonica? And what is Paul telling us today? In verse 13 it says, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. Why was it so important for the church to understand these things? Again, they faced false teachers amongst their midst who taught them that the dead were gone, missed the day of the Lord. And they were being led in these ways because without Christ, there is no hope for our loved ones. Without Christ, we're going to get to that, but I want us to understand, without Christ, there is no hope for our loved ones in what comes next. Only death. And we're kind of beginning on this dreary note, and I'm sorry, but hopefully we'll end on an encouraging one, but bear with me as we continue on. But what is death? It is that heartless beast that we have been fighting since the fall of man. Death is that cold word that brings a chill to our spine, a tear to our eye. Death is that ever-present reality as we realize that life is passing by faster and faster, and to what? What is the end? What comes next? It's the age-old question. 
It's where we find ourselves with no hope. My cousin, one of my cousins, he, he passed away last year. And he had a hard life. I'm just admitting it to you. He, he struggled with a lot of things uh, mentally, emotionally, and he passed away. And as the family gathered around and, and gathered to mourn him and to, to remember his life and to, to comfort each other, his sister, my cousin, um, not a believer, kind of spoke up and said, so that's just it? He's just gone? And to me, that illustrates, for those who are outside of Christ, the perspective they have as, as loved ones pass away, just death. Just gone. And that's where the Thessalonican church was at the time when Paul was writing this to, to them, that they believed even those who are in Christ were just simply gone. The world is terrified of that ugly little word, death. It's the same as the, the seed if it sits in your palm. It's, it's going nowhere if it just sits there. We have no control over it. We have no way to stop it. And no way to rationalize what comes after. So we fear it. We grieve and mourn for those who have passed away as the finality of it all consumes us. And we live in fear for ourselves as well as we too will eventually meet this fate. Death is ugly and hurtful. I don't have anything else to explain about this. I don't need to go more in depth because all of us have felt the sting of death at one point or another. And if you're anything like me, then you're already replaying the memories of loved ones in your mind, those who have passed on before us. Death hurts like nothing else. But Paul is not going to leave the Thessalonian church in this state of despair, and neither will we leave ourselves here in this study. Remember, someone had gone around and spread lies about those who had passed away, and they were being told that they were just gone, and they mourned them. But Paul says to them in verse 13, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who have fallen asleep in death. Why does he use the word sleeping? He wants them to know. He wants them to know for, for sure, without a shadow of doubt, for those who are in Christ, death is not the end. And I'll say it again. For those who are in Christ, death is not the end. Amen? Amen. We do not have to grieve as those who have no hope. Our hope is in Jesus. Paul continues to elaborate on our hope for the dead in Christ for us. Again, read verses 14 through 16 with me. Put your eyes on the text. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. This is a belief that they held. This is what they knew for a certain fact. Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe, because of Jesus rising and dying, dying and rising again, that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. There's some people in this world that make waking them up quite the task. I don't know if, if you know them, one of them. I don't know if you are one of them. 
But it's like you go into the room, you say, it's time to wake up. You close the door. They kind of acknowledge you like, yeah, yeah, I'll wake up. You go back, you do something else. Five minutes later, you know that they need to get up, and they haven't. So you go and check on them. And it's like, hey, it's time to wake up. But then they're like, yeah, oh, it's okay, it's okay. And they kind of roll over a little bit more. And you know they're sleeping through their alarms, and it's really hard. Some of you may know that kind of person. Some of you may be that kind of person. I may be that kind of person. <laughs> but it's like they rose from the grave. Often they miss their alarm clock. But in verse 16, read with me. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. We need to stop there for a second. We need to acknowledge what does it mean to be in Christ. We may know it, but we need to understand it fully for this, this study. So turn over to Galatians chapter 3 with me really quick. That's Galatians chapter 3, verse 27. It says, For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. So we were discussing here in this text, baptized believers. Let's jump back over to 1 Thessalonians. We just need to acknowledge what do we mean by those who are in Christ. Okay, continuing on. Um, uh, let's, let's read it again. I like it. Verse 15, according to the Lord's word, and he has given us his word. We, we see it in this text. God has given us his word, and we know that his word is final, and we know that his word is faithful says, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, meaning those who have not yet fallen asleep, we are in that state. We are still alive. We are left until the coming of the Lord. We are waiting on him. We'll certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. Brothers and sisters, the dead are first in line. They have dibs to getting to Jesus first. We are going to witness those of us who are alive whenever the Lord does come back again, as we, we are waiting on, we will get to witness them rising into the air to meet Jesus in heaven. And in, in the air, in the original language and, and what it was written in, it brings this idea of atmosphere. So this is a sight that we're going to see. And i got to tell you now, if I'm one of those who pass away before the Lord comes... I'm going to look around to everyone around me and I'm going to say, I'm racing you there because I'm racing up to meet Jesus. That's what we've been waiting on. That's what all of those who have passed on in Christ are waiting on until this day, until he comes, is his return. This is their moment. This is their reward. This is their time. This is what they've waited for so long. You ask me where the hope in death is to be found, I tell you, nowhere but Jesus. And then reading verse 16 again. For the Lord himself, Jesus, one with the Father and Spirit, our King and Messiah, the beautiful Lamb of God, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven. And it's painting a picture here, if you will, if you'll, if you'll imagine it with me. Have you seen the old uh, medieval movies where the king is entering triumphantly, the trumpets are blowing, and, and everyone's celebrating, and the, the, he has this guy standing next to him, and uh, Harold, a uh, herald. He's like, the king is here. Hear ye, hear ye. 
That's the picture we're kind of painting, and I'm picturing in my mind. So read with me. God will come down, or Jesus will come down from heaven. The wait is over. The king is here with a loud command. It's kind of like, hear ye, hear ye. That's the same idea. Pay attention. I'm here. Pay attention, everyone. With the voice of the archangel, and that's how I see the royal herald proclaiming to all of humanity. And then it says, with the trumpet call of God. And again, we're picturing this triumphal entry. Jesus had a triumphal entry into Jerusalem. People were laying down the, the palm branches and they were celebrating. And they were proclaiming all these things. And this is the, the triumphal entry that we see as Jesus' return to earth that we are waiting on. The celebration, can you imagine? The celebration in heaven. The day is here. The celebration on earth. The day is here. The whole world will know that he is here because the earth is his and everything in it. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and Every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. We learn that in Philippians chapter 2, verses 10 through 11. That, brothers and sisters, that is the picture that we are hoping for, that we are longing for. The grand entry is our glorious expectation. Because this is not a maybe. This is the guaranteed result of our faith in Jesus. This is the guaranteed result of us following after Him and obeying His commands. Our hope is built upon the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, His ascension into heaven, and our long-awaited reunion with Him. Well, then what happens? The text says the dead in Christ will rise first, but that's not going to be the last thing. It's not that only the dead in Christ will rise. No believer will be left behind on this day. <clears throat> Verses 17 and 18. Read with me once again. After that, and again, after that beautiful picture, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air. And so, we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. I recently had a conversation with a friend of mine. And we were talking about this text and, and the encouragement that we as Christians pull from it. And one of his comments was I hope I'm good enough for that day. I hope I'm worthy of that day. And I'll share with you what I shared with them. You are worthy of it, but not by your own merits or abilities, but by the good grace of God in your life. Let me remind us that while we are talking about the return of the king, Jesus already won the battle against sin and death. He conquered it on the cross. 
And 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us that if anyone is in Christ, remember we are talking about baptized believers, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. That's 2 Corinthians 5.17. Outside of Christ, we are not worthy of this day. Outside of Christ, there's nothing that we can do. But now that we are in Christ, we have been made worthy by the blood of Jesus. We get to celebrate with all of this joy because despite our own failings, my failings, despite my failings, Christ has made me new in Him and He has done the same for you as well. We've talked a lot about death today. But in our last verses, we see nothing but life. Our hope is in Jesus and the life He gives us. Our fellow believers are not dead in their graves, but alive in Christ. And our encouragement comes from knowing the truth of this blessed day. Remember that seed, waiting until the proper time. As we think about this Thanksgiving season, what are we thankful for? As Christians, we're thankful for this. There's many other things that Christ has blessed us with, but I want us to be reminded of this encouraging note of what's coming next. What What is it that we're hoping for? Why can Christians be so joyful, not just in the season of Thanksgiving, not just in seasons of celebrations and holidays, but throughout their entire lives? What is different about Christians? What's different is that we have this assurance. We know it because God is faithful and He has promised it and His Word is final. Amen? Is this not the hope we have? We need to ask ourselves, how will we encourage my brothers, our brothers and sisters, when they need that reminder? As we end... I want to remind us of a few things. We've been talking about baptized believers and the hope that they possess, but what about those who are not in Christ? And I ask, is that not why we are here today? It is our responsibility to present to them the truth of the hope that they have in Christ. It is our duty to preach the Word. We come here today to be encouraged and filled in unity in our spirit, to be edified by each other. But then we go throughout our week and we do something, we, we do something amazing. We get to share it so that others can come into that knowledge, so that others can come into that truth. That is our calling. That is our role as God's people here on earth today is to spread the good news of Jesus, what He did in our lives and what He can do in theirs. Remember that everything that we are learning as we are growing in the Spirit is for the people that you have yet to meet and the message that they have yet to hear. For any who are here today, for any who are not in Christ and want to know more about this hope, want to place their trust and their faith 
in Jesus. Once you become baptized and be a part of His family and be in Christ as He calls us to be, I invite you to come forward as we stand and as we sing. All things are ready. Come to-